Today on Blue 58, the Los Angeles Rams are a formidable opponent. They're also the only remaining playoff team in either conference with more than five losses on their regular season record. So it's not like they're invincible. What can we learn from those six regular season losses? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Neerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Jared Veld here is back in Green Bay. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll also talk about those Rams losses we talked about in the intro. But first, I want to make uh, a couple small announcements here. It is early in 2021, and I, I, every year that we flip over to a new calendar, uh, I sit down and, and make some goals for the upcoming year for the podcast for thepowersweep.com and, and, and things that go along with that. And as I've been thinking about what we want to do with the show in 2021, we'll talk about goals for content-wise in, in, in the near future, just for accountability purposes there. Uh, but a big thing that's been in the back of my mind is ads on the podcast. We've done some very, very small dabbling in that area. And as the show has continued to grow, there's been more opportunities to get involved in advertising. In 2021, and I think for as long as this show continues to exist, which I don't have any end date on it, so don't worry about that, I think I want to commit to being ad-free forever. There's a few reasons for this. First, the money just isn't there. I want to make podcasts. I don't want to be an ad salesman. And what you stand to make in podcast ads is, in my opinion, not worth the effort. I don't want to be running down people to try to move inventory for ads. I don't want to be doing contracts and stuff like that. I don't want to bother with that. Dynamic ad insertion is a new thing in the podcast industry, too. It sounds terrible, uniformly terrible. I don't want to do that either. And I'm pretty picky about what I would accept as an advertiser. Most of the people who want to advertise on a podcast for sports fans are like gambling sites and daily fantasy sports. Not interested in promoting either of those things. I don't bet on sports and I don't play daily fantasy, so I have a hard time endorsing that on the podcast. So it's already a pretty small, pretty small selection of ads that we could even run. So I just don't want to deal with it. Secondly, I think it's a better incentive for me to make stuff that people want to support. So let me earn your support. This year, I think we're going to be leaning a lot heavier into, into Patreon stuff. And here's what that means for you. We're going to be continuing to put stuff on Patreon. And we're adding some, some stuff there too. I hope to be able to earn your support there in a couple of different ways. First, I would like to announce that we have officially launched a Discord server. The invites went out to Patreon supporters last night, and if you would like to become one, I can invite you to that party as well. If you want to hang around with me and other Packers fans, you can do that. We've explored a couple other avenues for doing that. I think the Discord is the way to do that. So that's step number one. Second thing that we're going to do on Patreon is something that we are attempting this week. We are releasing a special edition podcast early on Patreon. It is up there now if you want to check it out. In fact, it will be coming out on the rest of the feed uh, Thursday. But it is up on Patreon now if you want to check it out. And we're going to be releasing other stuff like that throughout the year. It may be available to buy outside of Patreon, depending on what we get to this year. But it's going to be there first. 
I want to emphasize that you're never going to be missing out on the regular feed stuff because you're not on Patreon. Anything that's released there is either going to be bonus content, so stuff that we do in addition to Blue 58, in addition to what we write on thepowersweep.com, or just an early release. But if you choose to become a Patreon supporter at any amount, you will have access to Discord, you will get those early releases, and you will get all the bonus content. Plus, you get 25% off to our Teespring store forever. It's a pretty good deal. I think it's a good incentive for me to keep making good stuff, and I think it's a good opportunity for you if you want to help us continue to do what we're doing here to support the show. So we're going to be ad-free forever. All right? I just want to put that, put down that marker for myself. But here's what we're going to be doing instead, and here are some opportunities for you to get involved. Jared Veld here is getting involved in Green Bay. He has signed with the Packers for the second year in a row, coming over from the Indianapolis Colts in a very, very unique situation. According to Pro Football Talk, this is believed to be the first time in NFL history a guy is going to play for two playoff teams in a single postseason, which is pretty unusual. The uh, consideration or rule that allows him to do that is pretty unique to this year. He was only technically on the Colts practice squad, was elevated to their 53-man roster for game day last weekend, and at the conclusion of the game, he automatically reverts back to the practice squad. And only since he is on the practice squad, he can sign with another team. That other team happens to be the Packers. This can work out for the Packers a couple different ways. First, and I think most likely, this is just a depth signing. The Packers have a pretty well-known issue at tackle right now. They do not have David Bakhtiari and will not have him for as long as they remain in the playoffs. That is obvious to everyone. He tore his ACL just prior to Week 17, and the Packers could use some help at tackle. If something would happen to Billy Turner or Rick Wagner, suddenly you are in a situation where you are playing Yash Nyman in a playoff game. Or, more likely, you're playing John Runyon at guard and moving Elton Jenkins out to tackle, but even then, you're in a non optimal situation. So this gives the Packers a little bit of depth there. But I wonder if there is a big, interesting gamble at play here. What if the Packers are thinking of doing something really crazy? What if they are thinking of starting Jared Veld here at left tackle, moving Billy Turner back to right guard, and putting Rick Wagner at right tackle? If the goal is to get your best five linemen on the field, I think that's a real scenario. Because in that situation, the question is, is Jared Veldheer better at left tackle than Lucas Patrick is at right guard? And I lean towards yes there. I think Jared Veldheer is probably better at left tackle than Lucas Patrick is at right guard. I think Billy Turner is certainly a better option at right guard than Lucas Patrick is. So weighing that trade-off, I think, could be a real consideration this week, especially given how strong the Rams' interior rush is. So file that away in the back of your head, and we'll see an interesting situation play out on Saturday when the Rams arrive in Lambeau Field. The Rams are going to arrive at Lambeau 
with six losses on their record. That is the most of any team remaining still in the playoffs. And it would be the most in the entire playoff field, if not for the NFC East and the wild things going on there. So let's talk about losses in general for a second. I realize there's a lot that we can learn from stuff that went on in the games won, that the Rams won, in games the Rams won. There is a lot going on there that is of interest to us. And as we saw a couple times with the Packers this year, there are games that you win that are different from other wins. Not every W is created the same. Yes, at the, in, the, in the box score, it all counts the same. In the standings, it counts the same. But not all wins are created equal. Think about how you felt after the Packers beat the Jaguars. That was not the world's greatest game for the Packers. A windy, snowy, yucky weather day in Green Bay. The Packers don't play particularly well. They get out of there with a win, and that's all that matters. But it was not a great game. But I specifically want to talk about losses for a few reasons. First, it's the most likely scenario for teams pulling a team out of what they want to do. So the Rams want to do X, Y, and Z. A loss is the most likely scenario where we can easily identify other teams pulling them out of what they want to do. Secondly, in losses, your warts tend to be the most obvious. Take, for example, the Packers lost to the Minnesota Vikings. In that game, it was painfully obvious that the Packers could not stop the run. It was also painfully obvious that outside of Devontae Adams, they didn't have anybody who wanted to make plays in the passing game. The Rams have some games like that on their schedule. So let's take a look first at each of their six losses just in passing. I think it's helpful to categorize their losses. First category is losses to good teams. I think they've got three in this category. First, their week three loss to the Bills. They lost 35-32. to In week eight, they lost to the Miami Dolphins, 28-17. to And if you wanted to argue and say that the Dolphins aren't actually a good team, that's fine. We've got a category for teams like them coming up. And third, they lost in week 16 to the Seahawks, 20-9. to The second category is losses to teams that aren't necessarily as bad as you think. If you want to put the Dolphins in this category, I'm fine with that. But the point is, some teams are not as bad as their records say they are, and you still need to take them seriously. The Rams lost to the 49ers twice in the regular season. In Week 6, the 49ers beat them 24-16, and in Week 12, the 49ers beat them 23-20. Finally, third category of loss is just weird flukes. The Rams are a pretty good team. And yet, as a pretty good team, they lost to the New York Jets 23 to 20. I really don't know what, what to make of this one. Sometimes games like that just happen. You burn the tape, you move on. I think that's probably a burn the tape game for the Rams. Just to be fair, let's talk real quick about games we'd put for the Packers into these same categories. Losses to good teams, Buccaneers and Colts. Pretty obvious. Teams not as bad as you think. The Vikings loss probably falls into that category. If you want to call the Vikings an actual good team, I wouldn't fight with you too hard. They didn't make the playoffs, though. Fluke losses, nearly the Jaguars. But again, they're probably not also as bad, also not as bad as you think. The Panthers kind of fall in that category, too. So, what do the Rams' losses tell us about how you can beat the Los Angeles Rams? First and foremost, 
forcing Jared Goff to turn the ball over is never going to be a bad idea. In each of the Rams' six losses, Jared Goff had at least one interception. And I like the odds of something like that happening with Jared Goff being forced to play on the road just a couple weeks after having surgery on his thumb in cold weather. All of those things seemed to work in the Packers' favor as far as forcing Jared Goff to turn the ball over. And it doesn't even have to be like a four-interception afternoon. It could be Jared Goff keeps the Rams in the game, but uh uh-oh, fourth quarter, he's forced to throw deep, and just like Mitchell Trubisky in the regular season, suddenly it's an interception, the Packers run out the clock, and it's game over. Beyond that, I think there are a couple things that we need to do before diving into the losses. First, throw out the Jets' loss. That's too fluky for me. Throw out the Dolphins' loss. I think they're too different from the Packers. That leaves us with the Rams' loss to the Bills, the loss to the Seahawks, and both 49ers' losses. Broad similarities, I think these losses show that good offenses can score enough to beat the Rams. Now, we've heard a whole ton this week, even as young as this week is, about how formidable the Rams' defense is. And they are. They're very good. But the Bills and Seahawks both had top 10 offenses by DVOA. The Bills put up more than 30 points on them. And the Rams put up 20. That's above the average points allowed per game for the Rams. More to the point, I don't think the Rams moved the Bills or the Seahawks too far out of their game plan. Josh Allen still threw 33 passes in his game. In the Seahawks game, Russell Wilson threw 32. Both of these teams kept throwing, even though the Rams are tough through the air. Secondly, I think we can safely argue that tight ends play a significant factor in each of these losses. In the Bills game, they threw six of their 33 passes to tight ends. In the Seahawks' loss, Russell Wilson threw nine of his 32 targets, 32 passes to tight ends. In the 49ers' losses, San Francisco threw 10 balls to George Kittle. Very understandable. Always a good idea. But in their second loss to the, the 49ers, uh, the Rams were on the receiving end of eight tight end targets, and that was without George Kittle in the lineup. Thirdly, I think it's important to note that no matter how strong an opposing team is playing, the Rams don't really get forced out of running the ball. They stack up quite a few attempts, even in these four losses that we're looking at. Much like how the Titans played against the Packers, they're going to keep running the ball even if they're down. And only when you force them way out of their game plan will they start passing a disproportionate amount. I'd like to close by looking specifically at the two 49ers losses. I think there are two good reasons to look at these losses in particular. First, the 49ers got it done against the Rams despite being undermanned. That tells me that you can outmaneuver the Rams even if you have suboptimal talent. And I think that's a good sign for the Packers who even if they get their best five linemen on the field, are probably going to be at a slight disadvantage their offensive line against the Rams' defensive line. Secondly, the 49ers are offensively the most similar to the Packers. 
for very obvious reasons. Matt LaFleur is from the Shanahan coaching tree. His offense is very similar to what Kyle Shanahan likes to run. So let's talk about a couple observations from those 49ers losses. First, Debo Samuel dominated in interesting ways. In week six, all six of his catches involve some kind of behind-the-line motion. He's moving horizontally on all six of the catches he made in that game. Secondly, he lined up all over the place in their second win over the Rams. Six of his catches, again, had some kind of backfield motion, but he also had catches from the slot and lined up out wide. And I think this is going to be the recipe for Devontae Adams. Keep him moving. Move him all around. Line him up all over the place. I would also not be surprised to see Aaron Jones get involved in some kind of backfield motion type role. Remember Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in that two-back package that we've been seeing more and more frequently? What if you line them up both in the backfield and motion Aaron Jones out of the backfield as a receiver or just as a decoy to get the Rams moving away from A.J. Dillon? What then should the Packers do? Well, like I said, first and foremost, move Devontae Adams around. Maybe play him exclusively out of the slot. Debo Samuel was the 49ers' best receiver in both games they played, and he did a lot of work from the slot. Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley in the Bills' win over the Rams also did a lot of work from the slot. Even DK Metcalf ended up with a lot of catches in Week 16 from crossers, tight formations, and yes, even from the slot. Secondly, you're going to want to motion a good pass catcher. Maybe this is Aaron Jones. Maybe this is Tavon Austin. This, again, could be a good opportunity to use that Jones and Dylan two-back formation. Get guys moving around and get them involved in the passing game once they're moving. Finally, don't stop passing the ball just because the Rams are good at defending the pass. There is a point at which you can be doing this too much, but don't get too enamored with the run game that you forget to pass. Yes, the Rams are good against passing passing offenses. It's true. They have one of the best passing defenses in the entire NFL, but that doesn't mean you should stop passing entirely. If the Packers get too far away from the pass, trying to outflank the Rams on the ground, it could be a recipe for for disaster. Their best thing going on offense this year is Devontae Adams catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. It's powered the Packers to 13 wins, and no matter how good the Rams' defense might be, the Packers can't get away from that too much. That's what I think about the Rams' losses. I'd be interested in your questions, your thoughts on any of those losses, which to you is the most emblematic of the approach the Packers need to take. Let me know wherever you happen to find this show. I'd be happy to take your comments there. Again, uh, consider joining us on Patreon. You will get access to our Patreon-specific Discord server, bonus content, and early releases from upcoming special podcast episodes and other content. I am grateful for everybody who chooses to do that, and I hope to be able to continue to, to bring you all kinds of good Packers content throughout 2021. As always, if you found this show interesting, if you think somebody else would benefit from hearing it, do me a favor and share it. Uh, that's going to help more people find the show and ultimately help us grow this conversation we're helping or having around the Packers and help all of us become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Mudink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.